0: We apologize for this brief interruption in the show. As many of you likely know, the Higher Standard Podcast is officially sponsored by Transcend Company. Transcend has been my longtime provider for both testosterone and peptide therapies. But they offer so much more. Whether you're interested in health, wellness, or longevity, it all begins with you getting your blood work done. A lab draw will help you get the numbers and establish your baseline. You can go to TranscendCompany.com THSP. That's TranscendCompany.com THSP or you can click the link in the show notes on any streaming platform and on YouTube fill out your information and one of the representatives will contact you to get your journey started today now back to the show record record on both okay go ahead and stretch out now (laughs) Stretch out for the camera yeah I'm glad you put your shoes back on Chris are you wearing socks no, I, that's uh, disgusting. It is disgusting. It, is, it's, um, is, you're wearing, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you it's not disgusting. It's disgusting. I, it's I, it's gross. I, yeah. I, the shoes that you yourself coined your beaters. Yeah, I know. I, I should not be doing this. <laughs> I was. I I live in a very small place. Okay, oh. <laughs> and it's it's really hard to get upstairs to the sock drawer and come all the way back down to the first floor. Because those poor people live on multiple levels, oh. so
1: you got multiple, yeah, it was multi-level just, homes. It was, it
0: was far away to go.
1: Multi-level homes are for
0: poor people, is no, that what like saying? those ones you see in like, like you know, like Chinese families where they are like small, <laughs> small units, and then you can barely move. You're like, how do they fit a kitchen in there? That's kind of what I live in, but there's just three floors. God,
1: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: No uh, idea. You yeah, never yeah, seen that on TikTok? Yeah, they have like those really not mini on apartments. TikTok. Sorry, dig, okay. bro. Keep digging. Dig what? Like, that's a thing. That's not a The micro-apartments in a lot of, like, foreign countries? Okay. in New York? Uh, New York, they're not as small as they are in, like, Europe and China. Mm. China, for, dude, there are people in China living in the smallest quarters, and you're like, how are they doing it? There's, like, home, yeah. like, renovations now. In the, it's because they're small. Yeah. That, that's not, that's not, that's not true. I didn't, That's this guy See, is crazy. I mean, you've taken it too he far. He feels like
1: he can talk like this because he's not on camera. That's why he feels like he can get away with this shit.
0: Average height of don't don't do this don't don't do. Let's this. get right into the average, show. Chris. Average, average height of a Chinese man. China is I don't is five foot eight, but that's
1: not small. That's hey, taller what, than you. Yeah, what do you say?
0: Taller than me? I, I, objectively, it was a different you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Columbia five foot seven. China five foot six. Why is it two for China? We're just stating facts here. It's very confusing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was useless information brought to you by the Higher Standard. Yeah, we got you. Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. The boys have been off for a week. Sitting next to me is my sometimes partner in time, the one and only, Saeed Omar. Sitting next to me is my sometimes partner in crime, Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Yeah. And uh, behind the ones and twos, the one and only, Arune, DJ Arune, who happens to be now, uh, what, what, how do they, I don't know, is maybe a socialite? Is that what it's called? He's <laughs> constantly traveling back and forth. This He's guy,
2: <laughs> exactly. Constantly go. Is that what you are? You're a socialite now? No man, I'm just getting pulled to different sides of the world. That sounds
1: like something Paris Hilton would say. Wow, this guy Paris Hilton.
0: Yeah, man, a
1: mystery. This guy
0: getting pulled to different sides of the world, not the country, the world. Yeah, just <laughs> flexing <laughs> on these hoes. Like, get off me! You can't head the list.
2: Just went to a wedding, in Belize. Wedding in Chicago. Shout out Chicago, great, great fucking town.
0: He has a bread box at home, but it's full of cash. <laughs> yeah, it's called my wife. Shaw City. Oh. Jesus, I'm not editing that out. (laughs) It's not like she listens. (laughs) Oh, she does. We we all know you're a gold digger. It's fine. (laughs) Why do you think I'm your friend? Yeah. Oh, Oh, this guy's good. Wow, world traveler came back with some jokes. (laughs) Look at this guy; I feel comfortable. Well, if you don't mind, we can entertain the kids uh, on the show with you know financial content, and you can keep your diss track for later on. There you go. All right, we got a lot to touch on, not a lot of time, and uh, we're going to jump all the way into all the things because we know by the time you hear this, the FOMC meeting on the 12th and the 13th has come to its conclusion and more than likely the Fed has not done a damn thing. Right. Other than give you a bunch of rhetoric saying that they were going to scare the shit out of you and the dot plop's going to have dots all over the place. That is the that is the biggest thing that will be coming out this
1: Wednesday after the FOMC meeting, is the summary of economic projections.
0: So we're going to talk about a severe recession maybe coming in 2024. We'll explain why one person thinks that's a likelihood. The top 1% of American earners now own more wealth than the entire middle class. I got a whole fucking breakdown for that, and we're going to go at a speed pace. Mm. So there's a lot of data coming at you super fast. Just do what Arun does and just eat it all down. Okay, you'll mm. be fine. <laughs> talk about the homebuyer conundrum. If mortgage rates falls, bidding wars will follow, one expert says, and it's A damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. And I know it sounds a little negative, but uh, there is a bright, shiny pot of gold at the end of the information rainbow there. So stay tuned to that. And then we'll talk a little bit more about home prices, mortgage rates, and uh, Bank of America's CEO doubling down on stupid. (laughs) Actually, no, this is tripling down on stupid, isn't it? This
1: guy's just. I'm losing track. He
0: makes it really easy. It was Jane Frazier with Jamie Dimon next to her. And on Jamie Dimon's other shoulder was Brian Moynihan in Congress in the congressional hearing. And Brian Moynihan was just sitting there, just chilling, yeah. laid back. Meanwhile, Jamie is just firing out there. I, I got to tell you, Brian Moynihan looks like he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking
1: about. Do you feel like Brian Moynihan gets a lot of his confidence because Berkshire Hathaway has invested so much into them?
0: I think he gets confidence from him being rich. That would, <laughs>
1: <no>. <laughs> There's also that. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if uh, your boy Warren believed in me that much, that would make me feel pretty
0: confident, too. Like, if he invested in this podcast, he'd be like, yeah, okay. we, we probably have something going on here. Let me put it in a different perspective, okay? Let's, let's, let's just talk amongst friends here, okay? All right. Let's just say both of you had $50 million net worths. Okay. Right? Worth $50 million invested. You got dividends. You got income coming in from all sorts of investments. You're probably 50-plus years old at this point. Mm. You know, you've done it in the last couple of years. And you're well-situated. You're working because this is how you made the money, but you made a lot of money. I'd be a wild boy. Okay. If somebody came to you and said, hey, said, um, honestly, we don't like your attitude in the office. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk to you in HR? What do you think your answer would be? Absolutely not. I don't, get the I don't fuck, fuck get out, out of here.
1: here. I think my attitude is just fine. Yeah,
0: <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Arun, if someone called you and said, hey, man. Uh, Arun doesn't need to be a millionaire for that scenario. Yeah, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you, got, if you were worth $50 million and somebody said, hey, uh, Arun. We really need you to attend this meeting in Florida. Would you go? But why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, like I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be as motivated as you once were. I that's all, that's all I'm saying. Right. Brian Moynihan is that guy. Yeah.
1: Oh, this first question: What's my per
0: diem? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Can I hire an assistant to go for me? Yeah. Can I have somebody go physically, yeah. but bring? a laptop with me on a zoom <laughs> into the room right? i can find
2: someone from fiverr for 5 bucks i'll do and it and then
0: yeah <laughs> which is how haroon uh, gets things done
2: yeah
0: well all right let's jump into the articles there's a lot going on and not a lot of time tonight and then there is really a lot of data i wasn't being sarcastic i know i tend to be a lying asshole about that kind of thing but before you do so podcast
1: listeners whether that's on apple or on spotify please go over and leave us an honest five star review if you do, it really does a lot for the show, and it makes us all happy, and we will read it on the show like we will tonight. We have three great ones. And if you're on YouTube and you watch us over there, make sure you subscribe, hit that like button, ring that notification bell, and do all the goody-good stuff.
0: It's never not cringe when you say goody-good.
1: <laughs> do all the never moist,
0: goody-good stuff. Moist. Yeah. I can't make that water sound that like people do with voice, but... I can't. Don't do it. Yeah. All right. So... I'm gonna set the tone with a little bit of data, and I want you guys to think about it as we go through the rest of this and what these things things individually might mean, nothing, but collaboratively, all together in the aggregate picture, what all this data might mean to you. Number one, Hasbro's cutting 20% of their workforce. Hasbro, they make toys, bro. That's a lot. Yeah, well, what's their do you know how many employees they they have? Odin, can you Google that? You can Google that. While you're doing that, Spotify it has cut their workforce. The CFO has already been out, and now the CEO is out after the last uh, round of layoffs, which just happened. Yeah, I think this is now the second or third uh, round of layoffs they're having, right? Yeah, they've had a number of significant layoffs. At the same time, you get November inflation out tomorrow,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? It's a big number. So, ooh, wow, Hasbro has 5,600 employees as of 2021. You know, it's more than that now. It's been two years. So 20% is, is a lot of fucking employees. Man. Like 1,000? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. Oof. Uh, November inflation out tomorrow. Dot Plot will come out on December 13th with the uh, press conference. The presser, as Saeed likes to say. No, the post-game press conference. Post-game press conference. So there's a lot coming in the not-too-distant future and a lot of red flags that are just kind of like waving in front of people. But yet you have this optimism in the markets. There's people who are like, there's going to be six rate cuts and... You know, real estate values are going to skyrocket. Everything's going to be amazing, man. 2024 is going to be a good year for all of us. It's going to be a good year for everybody. Yeah, not so much. Not so much. Well, the Magnificent Seven today had a huge sell-off, over $200 billion by the time it was done. Those are the seven largest companies in the S&P. So when you say when they had a large sell-off, what does that mean? That means that people were literally selling the prices down. That 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 $200 billion of their value was lost in the sell-off. There's there that many people selling down their price. And that's the beginning of the day value minus the end of the, minus the, the, end of the day value. And that is today? Today. $200 billion in valuation from the As Monday, Magnificent De- Seven. Monday, December 11th.
2: Do you think that had anything to do with what's going on with um, Palestine? Like, I think, what was it? Today was, um, what was it today? Like, everyone was saying, like, don't go to work. Don't purchase anything today. Like they're doing a whole um ceasefire all across
0: the nation. I don't yeah. want to sound insensitive to the plight because I do care uh, tremendously and I am uh sensitive about it. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I didn't hear anything about this. Mm. Is that a thing? I didn't hear about it. Let either, me look up to be honest up. with no, you. No, please don't. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I've seen your feed, bro. I, I, I know I, I know I know where that's gonna go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, just,
1: but I, I don't I don't know if it had uh, much to do with that. More so there's this constant rhetoric now where up until now, we've seen the contradictions of everyone thinking we were going to have rate cuts last year, yeah. right? And going, which were completely against what Jerome Powell and the rest of the FOMC members said. So there was major contradictions there, right? Now we're starting to see more contradictions where the Fed's now saying we're going to hold higher for longer. Meanwhile, you, you have major media outlets reporting that you'll see rate cuts by March. Oh, no, you'll see four, maybe six rate cuts by the end of next year. So still contradiction going on.
0: And the 10-year Treasury's drop over 70 basis points in the last couple of weeks down to below 4.2 percent has really been indicative that the market does not believe the Fed.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they refuse to because, I mean, who wants to sound pessimistic, right? I do. (laughs) I'm making a career out of it, brother. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, I mean, if you're speaking the truth and you truly believe in it, yeah, it makes sense. But
0: it doesn't really help anyone's portfolio to sound pessimistic. No, the talking heads don't, don't get paid that way. But let's go down this path. But before we do. I wanted to take a slight pause in the show to say something really, really, really important that Saeed and I have been talking about. I know that we've been collaborating a lot with Ballerbusters. Yes. And I know that I hosted a live. And for those of you who don't know how this worked, I'm going to explain it. They gave me a passcode. I logged in. I hosted the live because that's what they asked me to do. And then I logged out. Right. I don't have access to their account. That is not a consistent thing. It's not on my phone. Uh... And that's presumptively how we're going to do it moving forward. Now, how do I communicate with them? Via DM and via email. Right. That's it. Do I know who these people are? No, they're anonymous. Am I attributable to everything they do on their page? Absolutely not. Do I endorse everything they do on their page? Absolutely not. Mm. But do I respect the concept of the mission that they're on? Absolutely. Yes. And I would imagine if, if I were them and I would say, look, you don't want to have your eggs in, in one basket and you want to be diversified with several other people. I know they work with other people. Yeah. Um, the gentleman that I hosted live with the other day was probably presumptively somebody that they work with a little bit more. Uh, but I know he's in the same position that I am in where we're somewhat in the dark, but you try to help people from a pro bono perspective, do what you think is a good, righteous thing. Yeah. But, um, for people asking me who they are or assuming that I'm part of them, I don't know who they are. I am not part of them. And there, there is a specific disclaimer to this effect on those episodes for a reason. So if you haven't read it, whether you're on any of the streaming platforms or on YouTube, I advise you to read it. That answers all your questions there. And that truly is the God's honest truth. Uh, I think a lot of people have gone on the path for so many years trying to figure out who they are. They've now pointed the finger at me. Mm. And that that is just not the case. Yeah. So all right, back to the show. Yeah. Let's go. Up. Let's go. All right. So this from an article from Business Insider, a severe recession may be coming in 2024 as a stock market job. Uh, market flash warning signs one strategist says so this is a bit of a long one but bear with me to the end the quote in the end is fucking beautiful mm-hmm. it, it, nothing says i listen to the higher standard more than this last quote yeah exactly so let's get to the end okay in a note friday deedrich D- is it deedrich or deerich rich it's 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 a uh... diet rich diet rich deedrich pointed to monster gains investors have seen in the S&P 500 this year with the benchmark index notching its best month of the year in November. That's crazy. We're at the highest, most restrictive Fed funds rate we've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. And the market still has its best run in November. I mean, this is doubling down on Q3 GDP hitting, you know, being revised up to 5.2%. But he explains this, and it's interesting. That rally has largely been fueled by expectations the Federal Reserve will cut rates early next year but rate cuts likely aren't coming until the economy tips into a downturn, Diedrich says. Investors shouldn't count on the central bank lowering borrowing costs unless the U.S. economy falls into a severe recession, which may happen early next year, Diedrich said again. The Fed typically starts cutting rates when there is a sharp when there is a sharply uh, slowing economy and rising unemployment, meaning a recession. Yeah, and why shouldn't
1: anyone or investors – Odin, can you scroll up, please? Why shouldn't investors uh, think that the Fed will cut rates unless there is a sharp downturn?
0: Well, there's a number of reasons, but the most obvious one is, is look, they're trying to get to a target rate of 2%, okay? Mm-hmm. And the probability of getting there, despite how much movement we've seen from 9.1% down to where we are today, is really, really, really unlikely without – there being things like home values coming down and the 10-year treasury is rising. And in any world, those things all happen and coalesce at this perfect time. Right. That's a recession, kids. A hundred percent. And they also don't want to see a resurgence in inflation
1: like they did in the 70s, right? Where a two to three, four-year problem
0: out of nowhere became a decade problem. Yeah. So think about it like you're in the horror movie, right? If I walk up to somebody and I shoot them and they're on the ground, if I don't give them the, you know, the double tap. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> that motherfucker might come back. That's how all these horror movies work. Is that how, is that the vernacular they use? The double tap? Yeah, you got to double tap the economy. Yeah. You look, we shot the economy in the chest right now. It ain't dying. No, it's a zombie economy coming back to life. Yeah, exactly. You got to shoot it in the head. You have to. Yeah, headshots. Yeah, headshot. Double tap. It's just science. <laughs> this is this is clearly why I'm a good economist. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so signs of recession are starting to build. Diedrich notes, the stock market's 20% rally up this year is one such warning, he said, as the S&P 500 typically posted outsized gains in the months leading up to a downturn. That was the case prior to the 2001, 2008, and 2020 recessions, the last three consecutively, for the record, Mm -hmm. when stocks rallied sharply before the economy began contracting. There are other stock market disconnects that are making the case that the economy will soon roll over into a downturn, he added. Uh, though the S&P 500 is up overall for the year, the S&P 500 equal weight index, which instead of giving uh, you know certain market cap companies more uh, weighting in, in the overall equation, you weight them all evenly, and somebody else in, in our office has pointed this out to me as well, which rep- is more representative of the average stock, has fallen into correction territory. So if you take the S&P 500 and you look at all companies evenly across the S&P 500 and you get rid of the the waiting for the the significant outliers like the Magnificent Seven, yeah. then you've got a, a, a much darker picture. Yes, exactly. Uh, so here's the monumental quote, the one we capped this, the one that tells you that Diedrich is clearly a fan of the show. And I'm quoting here, to think that after a 13-year bull market, we will not see a normal cyclical bear market recession is to believe that the business cycle has been miraculously repealed after 400 years of historic stock market cyclical data the belief that this time will be different it never is he said investors uh recession outlook so, yeah man that's
1: like the the five most dangerous words when it comes to like this time in any like bear market uh bull market cyclical pattern right is this time will be different yeah it's that's that's not that's not the case, man. I think we need what you need to what we need to explain to people is what is a cyclical bear market like? Why? Why does? Why do we need to have it? Why is it part of the process?
0: Well, um, if I were to play this as simple as possible, what I would say is um, think of the economy as like um, like a pendulum swinging, mm-hmm. right? Swinging one way, swinging the other way. It keeps momentum. It keeps its elasticity in the economy. Once you stop swinging, it takes a lot of force in one direction or the other right. to gain that back. Well, what we did is we pushed the pendulum super, super far in one direction with stimulus, 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation. And it's going to take a lot to push it back the other direction. But when it swings, it's going to come down with a tremendous amount of force. And that's what we haven't seen yet. We've seen the pendulum start to slowly like get to the top and peak, but we haven't started seeing it swing the other way yet. That's why you still have this optimism, this uncertainty. Is people are going like, "Well, look, man, maybe there's a possibility for this soft, cushy, fluffy,
1: marshmallowy landing." Right. Well, this is this has been the fear that I know we've had discussions on over the course of the last few years. Is these patterns? Keep in mind when we're ta- when people are talking about bull markets and bear markets, right? It's it's like seasons that change. The season's coming every year, right? But for this, this is now taking longer to come. Typically speaking, it takes, what, seven years or so? Seven to ten years on average. Seven to ten years yeah. on average. We're now going on a 13-year bull market run. So, yeah. I mean, that has that cause for concern.
0: And for people to be saying, it's, it's incredibly naive to say, you know what, the market's going to fucking explode next year. It's going to be amazing. Like, that level of optimism just sounds wildly ignorant of what's going on. Rune, right. I know, I know you're, looking at, you're scrolling through the data right now going, like, is he really going to talk about all this shit? Right. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on uh, KNX. I did a small, like, brief kind of interview. But to prep for it, I put together these notes. And the, uh, when I was on KNX, they sent me this article. The top 1% of American earners now, uh, now own more wealth than the entire middle class. This is from USA Today. Mm-hmm. And this is the article we kind of talked about slightly. Uh, But I put together this this data as part of kind of my prep for that conversation, and it really became a compelling conversation. We have long hypothesized on the show that the middle class would be eviscerated if they had an inability to buy property. And now with this being so unaffordable, the most unaffordable homes I've ever been, uh, that's a real, real challenge. Without a market correction, I want to spell out where we are today and where we're going without a market correction. Yes, okay. please do. So the top 1% earners in America is an individual earning more than $407,500 or a household earning more than five hundred ninety one thousand five hundred fifty thousand dollars Yeah. Okay. That is a top 1% earners. So that is not the upper class. That is the top 1%. The upper class is significantly larger of a group. Mm-hmm. So they control about 26.5% of the wealth in the United States or about $38.7 trillion. That's the top 1%. Okay. Mm-hmm. The upper class is approximately 19% of the population. The top 1% of that group has more than the middle class. Okay. yeah. So that we're just sizing this whole thing up. The middle class in its entirety holds about 26% of the wealth in the United States. So just under 26.5. So the top 1% of America has more than the entire middle class. Right. Right. And you'd be shocked to hear. So a, a career-focused website that I did some research on here in the U.S. said the middle class constitutes any income between $42,000 and $126,000 and is approximately 52% of the American population. Right. So that's a reference point. Between $42,000 and $126,000 a year. Which is a huge gap. Huge gap. Makes up 52% of the population. The top 1% of the country now holds more money than 52% of the population does in total. There's a big problem with that picture. There's a big-ass problem. Mm-hmm. The highest percentage of Americans, 16.5%, have income between $50,000 and $74,999. Yeah, and
1: the, the, big pro, the big problem with this, too, is as this gap continues to get wider and wider, right, it, the future, the economic future of, of some of these people in the middle class is really going to begin on where they start from, Yeah. right? Otherwise, they're shit out of luck. Yeah. That's, and, that's where this is going, Yeah, right? You're not going to be able to kick yourself up. And it's not just from middle class to upper class, right? It's lower class to middle class.
0: Yeah. It's a problem no matter where you go and what, what class you're in. But this is definitely creating, if we continue to go down this path, you create two groups. You create a working class and a wealthy class. And we're already very much deep into that. If mm-hmm. the top 1% own more than the middle class, you're already kind of walking towards that system. And if the middle class can't continue to buy, if you're between earning between... 42000 dollars a year, and you can't afford to buy a home because they're that unaffordable, guess what? Right. They become the lower class because they'll never be able to build the the, the net worth that the upper class right. has built. And especially if they don't feel financially secure, right? If the middle
1: class doesn't feel financially secure enough, whether that's you know being able to manage their debt loads or having stable careers, right? then they're never going to go out and spend the money on a home and put themselves in that much debt or buy themselves like a brand new car. And other things in the economy will start to have downward pressure.
0: So one of the things we've always talked about on the show, we talk a lot about real estate, but honestly, owning and starting your own business is a key path to being a millionaire. Uh, Many of the one percenters are low profile millionaires living quietly among us. They're obviously the flashy ones as well. But generally speaking, there's more of them that are this type. As you go up the wealth distribution, it's more and more of these private business owners. And a lot of them are boring businesses, auto dealerships, beverage distribution, people who own seven Jiffy Lube, shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's not that the sexy, glamorous, in-your-face businesses. That's where the top 1% are getting their money. And I I think it's kind of lost on us that we look for these sensational, like really cool over the top career paths to be the top 1%. Right. But this is where most of it comes from. Income inequality in the United States, particularly the the growing gap between the top 1% of earners and the middle class, began to significantly widen around the late 1970s and has only gotten wider to today.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So the trend marked a shift uh, from previous decades where inequality was relatively lower. Between the 1950s and the 1980s, just before the the 1970s shift, there was a period of relatively lower inequality. However, from the late 1970s onward, income disparity began to increase with income growing much faster at the top of the ladder than in the middle or the bottom. Over the years, the rich have grown steadily richer. The top 1% caught and passed the middle class in the collection of wealth in late 2020 and now has surpassed it. So I I put this last uh, uh, diversification here because I thought this was interesting. Real estate, the upper 1%. Uh, of wealth in the country, controls 12.9% of real estate wealth in 2023, up from 8.1% at start of 1990. Uh, Fed data shows the average home price has more than tripled in that span of time. Mm. Stocks, this was a a big one, surprised me a lot. The top 1% hold close to half of all corporate equities and mutual fund shares in 2023. According to the Fed, as recently as 2003, their share of equities, equity pie uh, fell below 30%. And I want to explain this. The dream of owning a home has been a big thing, and people all need a place to live. So more people in the middle class and lower class own a home. That's why it's not such a huge percentage—only twelve point nine percent. One percent of the of uh, the wealth uh, owns twelve point nine percent of real estate. But because they have the excess cash flow, the excess savings, they're able to buy much more in the form of stock and equities and mutual fund. Right. Yes. So because of that, that top one percent holds half. Of all corporate equities and mutual funds.
1: Right. There's there's that. But I also feel like the that market in general is scares people more, right? I, I feel like people can wrap their minds around, you know, buying some real mm-hmm. estate, you know, because that is quote unquote the American dream. Right. But you know, so many so, so many people are don't consider themselves financially literate to understand that listen, this is a this is a long game. I should get started early. And the earlier you start, the better you are. And most of them don't
0: have the savings for it in general anyway. anyway.
1: Right. Well, you, know. you don't need a lot. We talk about companies like Acorns all the time yeah. that, that we don't have, we're not affiliated with, but that, I mean, something that you can do where you just roll up to the, you know, round dollar amount and it goes right into an investment account.
0: Yeah. Plenty of ways to do it, uh, but I think most people are just afraid. Yes. You know, that makes sense. And uh, then lastly, owning a private business. Uh, one of the things we've championed on the show quite a bit, the upper 1% own nearly half of all private company wealth today, up uh, from about 30% in 1990, the Fed Report says. Mm. So uh, it is stunning. But it is real, yeah. So we can skip the next the next, uh, the next uh, data here in the show notes, Arun, and go back down to the next article. I think uh, in the interest of time, there's no point. Let's just skip that part, the whole part there. Yeah. Um. Right let's now. go to the home buyer conundrum. Right? I think that's right. what it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, nope. You're, you're right. Go down. You're go go down. down. Go down. Uh, right there. Yep. Mortgage rates are pulling back. There you go. Perfect. Yahoo Finance: Home buyer conundrum. If mortgage rates fall, bidding wars will follow, one expert says. Mortgage rates are pulling back from 8%, a seemingly promising sign for sideline buyers, but further declines could unleash pent-up demand. Quoting from the article, If rates fall below 7%, I think we're going to have a surprisingly strong year, Daryl Fairweather, chief economist at Redfin, told Yahoo Finance Live. Now, Redfin, we like Redfin. We like them. Okay. That's when I think we're going to see more people get out there with bidding wars. Point of note, Redfin is also predicting on average a 1% decline in real estate values across the US next year.
1: Right, man. I know. So, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens on uh on Wednesday when this summary of economic projections comes out, right? And the Fed's dot plot comes out. Yeah. Even though we know mortgage rates are tied closely to the 10-year and they're not tied so much to uh, you know, the Fed funds rate, but it does have some they have some correlation there, right? If, in fact, we do see, let's say, four rate cuts, okay, by the end of 2024, right, where they don't start till, I don't know, let's call it June or July, right, and they start to slow, slowly cut, right, we might see rates on the lower end of, of a six handle, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I think six and a half is probably the lowest, maybe maybe 640 is probably the lowest. Because
1: we also don't know how that impacts with, with the 10-year, right? The problem with 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 what Jerome Powell's trying to do, he does, over the past thirty five years, when he's looking at previous scenarios on how to handle this, they've never they they've never had to in the last thirty five years bring inflation down. When they raised rates, they were trying to prevent inflation from happening. Yeah. So I mean, yes, he can look back at, you know, times past that, but you wanna look at more recent times
0: to get, you know, a better idea of what you can possibly expect. And I fully expect him to come out and be hawkish AF. <laughs> hawkish as fuck. Yeah. yeah he's going to come out with a fucking hawk on his arm. Right. And just stare at the, stare at the American people and say, this right here yeah. is what you need
1: to see. Right. At the top of the show, we talked about how there's still that contradiction out there in the market where the Fed's saying, we're going to hold higher for longer. But the market out there is saying, we don't believe you. We yeah. think that you're going to cut as soon as March. Right? Yeah. Well, that jobs number that came out last Friday that we haven't touched on yet, mm-hmm. and we can just briefly— Touch on it right now is
0: that it goes in favor of what the Fed's trying to do by holding rates higher for longer, right? Unemployment fell to 3.7%. The jobs numbers came out stronger than anticipated.
1: That's from, so it was at 3.9% and it fell to 3.7%. All you really need to know when it comes to that is that. The labor market
0: still strong. And it went the wrong way. They're trying to get to a normalized labor market, which is more like 5%. More like
1: 5%. So they added 199,000 jobs. Now, when you remove the auto worker strikes that, that actually came back online mm-hmm. and actually some of the, some of the like, actors in the, in the movie industry, right, and all that, and some of the screenwriters, um, that number is closer to 169,000. Okay. For a reference point, the economy only needs 100,000 jobs
0: a month to, uh, to keep up with population growth. You know, when you think about it, that's not a lot of jobs. Yeah. It's, it's not a lot of jobs when you consider—we talked top of the show, Hasbro laying off, like, thousands of people. Right. You think about how many companies across the country have been laying people off. Like, you would think, you know, some months have been a net-net, like, neutral, but right. we haven't seen that. Now, here's the problem that the Fed's going to have to face, right? All along,
1: up until now, because they understand that everyone's out there waiting for them to cut rates. And they've, they've said— we're not going to cut rates until we hit our 2% target, but they also came out and said, we're not when we do cut rates it'll be when it's on a downward trajectory. Mm-hmm. So don't worry guys, it's not going to be until we hit 2% cuz they understood that it was going to be a long process.
0: And well, to be clear, like the
1: Fed's one of the Fed's clear mandates is jobs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I know we look at these figures typically on a year over year basis, mm-hmm. okay? But they did a study, they did an analysis of the last 6 months. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy, which is what the Fed is looking at when they're looking at this figure. Remember, this number they want to get down to 2%, right? Core inflation was at 2.5% at an annualized rate over six months through October. Wow. It had, it had a two-handle. I had not heard that. Right? Yeah. So that's down from 4.5% the previous six-month period. So the previous six-month period was at 45 The last six-month period was at 25 So you're like, wait a minute. Now you guys got that 2% handle. But here's the problem for them. It's going to be over 12 months. Right. It's got to be over 12 months. But look, start, the, the data is starting to show that we're getting closer and closer, right, to that point, to that figure. Okay. What if we do hit that 2% figure at some point in time and there's still a fear of resurgence in inflation and they have to still say, no, we're going to hold? I feel like that's going to cause hysteria.
0: That's, all, that's why Jerome Powell and some of the FOMC members came out and said, and, and I'm quoting here, they'd rather overcorrect than undercorrect. Overcook, overcook, undercook, yeah. Overcook, undercook, yeah, every time. Got <laughs> it's, it's what I see. Straight to jail, right away. Uh, if If yeah.
2: rates fall under seven percent, Chris, are you going to be in these bidding wars
0: if, for, for property? Yeah. Um,
2: I know hmm. you're looking like a year or two ago. No, it's, I'm, I'm rates... thinking.
0: So honestly, I uh, I don't think so. I think uh, the earliest I'm going to look is probably 2025 mid year. Um, uh, I am too. There are the people out there who would say that I'm, not, I'm too risk-adverse, but I look at it as, look, I've got a lot of real estate. I don't have a need to, to buy a ton more to increase cash flow right now because I've got other sources of income. Mm-hmm. I really like what we're doing with this business and where it's growing and scaling. And I'd rather invest my time and energy into growing this until the market stabilizes and I get a better feel for what the outlook is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... To put these into perspective, if if there is – because we did see a resurgence in mortgage applications when rates did hit that low 7%, right? So you would have to imagine if it did get down to 6.5% that mortgage applications would start to you know increase again. So I had a little breakdown here that I thought was worth noting for people that are into the numbers and the mortgage calculators that I – like to fancy myself
0: with. You play those calculators a lot. Oh, I love those, cal- love those calculators. It's like you this when you're at home on, on your own.
1: To put things into perspective, for those that want to know how much money you would save in interest uh, on a home, so the, the median uh, home price is around $400,000, mm-hmm. right? If you were to have 20% down, and you get a loan for $320,000, okay? When mortgage rates were at 3%, you were paying approximately $165,000 dollars in interest for that home, okay. When mortgage rates are at five percent, you're paying approximately three hundred thousand dollars for that four hundred thousand dollar home.
0: How much your home worth right now? What? How much your home worth?
1: Well, I, don't do this. I'm not looking it up. It's got it's got seven figures, right? There's two commas. <laughs> there's two commas, right? <laughs> Call me two commas. There's, there's two commas right <laughs> no, there, right? No, no, yeah. Stop two, it. There,
0: there, there. Fuck you. There is for sure <laughs> two commas in your home value. Mortgage, <laughs> mortgage.
1: What about your SREO portfolio?
0: S-R-E-O, my yeah. SRO? Yeah, yeah, your
1: scheduled real estate <laughs> Okay, and with mortgage rates at 8%, you'd be paying approximately $525,000 in interest for a home that you purchased... For four hundred thousand dollars. You and a room talk about hiring the Two Comma Club when you uh, go home. Don't do
0: this.
3: Don't, don't be that, that guy. That is.
1: How many people do you talk to about your black card?
0: Uh, I don't. <laughs> you guys do it for me. I don't have to talk to anybody about it. I'm afraid to use it now because you guys Listen, got a fucking man, psychological I told, condition. I told you before the show. I got a psychological condition about using that fucking card now. Are
1: you gonna stop being my friend when you buy a home? No,
0: because I'm never gonna
1: buy a home. Yes, you are.
0: I'm a kind of sick bastard who would never buy. And I'll tell my wife when we're 80. Baby, the reason why we never bought a home was because Saeed's an asshole.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Carter.
0: I couldn't join the 2 Comma club. <laughs> I
2: was born in a 2 Comma club. Yeah, Saeed, man. Saeed uh, upgraded.
0: Man. That sounded very, like, so, elitist.
1: So before, it's something else worth noting, right, that goes right into the article from Fortune that Chris wants to get into. Home prices will fall for the first time since 2012 Redfin's chief
0: economist predicts. Here's why they will still be out of reach for many buyers. See, to me, Redfin has been a bit of a contradiction. Now, I do respect them, and I want to point out, this is also the same guy, Fairweather. Yeah. So the same quote where he said, okay, home value's going to go down, our uh, rate's going to go down, it's going to spark a little bit of action in the home in the home market. Mm-hmm. Separate article, and this is a great example of why you got to be careful when you fucking read some of these articles. Yeah. Somebody took his quote in the previous article and used it to say, the housing market will see some surging of activity as rates drop. Yeah, that's true. But here's the other half of the story from Fortune. Mm -hmm. The first prediction is that home prices will fall 1% year over year in the second and third quarters of next year, in line with housing market seasonality. Given that home prices will end this year at around a 3% increase and the typical home buyer's monthly mortgage payment is only about $150 below an all-time high by Redfin's calculation, Fairweather called it a favorable shift for buyers. It's important to note that Redfin is specifically predicting a change in the median sale price of existing homes. And aside from falling 1% in the two middle quarters, Redfin expects home prices to be flat in the first and last quarters of the year. I don't know if you did the math there, but if you're expecting it to fall 1% in the middle two quarters and flat in the first and the second and the fourth quarter, that means decline. Yet somehow... They came up with a three percent increase year over year. Yeah, Did yeah. I fucking miss the math? Dude, what happened there, Chief? I read, man. <laughs> yeah, come
1: on, guys. Yeah, man, and and to this, to you know, this article's point too, Um values are gonna have to come down for people to be able to afford uh, to buy again. The same person that could afford a housing budget of two thousand dollars a month, right? Previously, before the Fed started raising rates, that was a four hundred thousand dollar home. Okay, today it's a two hundred ninety five thousand dollar home. Mind you, values have gone up, right? Mm. So they're not even getting the same level home. No, not at all. So you're actually even getting lesser of a home for lesser of a price. It's I mean, it's it's
0: wildly discouraging. Yeah, man. It's very discouraging.
1: And it, it doesn't seem too bright.
0: Especially because I'm the kind of petty motherfucker that'll look at my neighbors and be like, y'all can't afford that. What the fuck? Yeah,
1: Y'all can't afford that? Why? On, what man? do you mean? Why are you judging? Why are you you don't you do like, that? Let's be you honest. you looking at people's pockets? Stop. Yeah, come fuck
0: on. yeah. I'm looking at everybody's pockets. Let's be honest, okay? Let, let's be honest with everybody and ourselves, okay? Okay. And I need you to be honest with yourself here, t- truly. Okay. All right?
1: All right. I'll be honest.
0: There are plenty of times when you look at neighbors and go, I make more than you. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't? Come on. I don't. I- <laughs> Stop! I don't think that you I ne- do. You've no. never looked at your, one of your neighbors and gone like, "I make more than this motherfucker."
1: Yeah, but man, you you know that you know when you first move in, you had these conversations with them. They're like, "Oh yeah, I mean, I, they've been in the community now for like ten years." You're like, "Oh, okay." Doesn't mean that, you haven't said that, it. That makes that
0: makes sense. Yeah. See, because you're like, <laughs> yeah. "Why are you here, Jim?" <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: <laughs> Jim. <laughs>
0: And you are like, "Oh, Jim's been here for twenty-five years."
1: You know, it's wild. Huh. Jim's my neighbor, my next-door neighbor. Is it really? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you just took a guess.
1: <laughs> I love that guy too. Him and his wife are amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> How many times do you think Arun has told his neighbors his name's Aaron? <laughs> it's Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. A- yeah, like A-Aron.
2: a ron Yeah,
1: man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, do oh, oh, oh,
1: you still talk? Do you talk to your neighbors at all?
2: Uh, for Christmas, yeah. <laughs> I Wait, on, you should, I you That's their, their gift. <laughs> <laughs> yep, on Christmas, I, I talk to, to their you on house. Christmas next year. You, you tell them that you're Muslim. <laughs> yeah. Nope, I go to their house on Christmas. This is like, Give my gift to you, my people. I have a little goodie bag with a bottle of wine and some uh, what is it? A bottle of wine and some chocolate.
1: So if you talk to them outside of the Christmas window, they're like, "Hey, wait a minute, what are you doing here? This ain't where's
0: my bottle of wine and chocolate, bitch." <laughs> yeah, this is a, I'm this, conditioned. This, I'm a, this is uncomfortable for me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, honey, go talk to that neighbor, uh, Aaron, and get us our chocolate and wine. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh
1: man, is it
0: wrapped up all nice and
2: shit? Uh, no, just a little bag. I have a,
1: oh. I have an, an older neighbor that's been around since all the houses were originally developed. And he likes to remind me of that, too, all the time. You know, I got my house when it was first built. Was Robert? Like, like, the sorry. Is Robert? Oh, no, 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 this guy's name is uh, Steve Ferris. I uh, love this Steve guy. Steve is my next one. Fuck. Yeah, really? Yeah, Mr. Ferris. I love this guy. And he stopped me the other day as I was driving off. And he's like, you he, he, he like waved me over. And I, I come over. And I'm like, hey, how's it going, Mr. Ferris? How can I? Is there anything I can help you with? He's like, no, I just want to let you know Santa came early this year, and he gave me a gift card to Trader Joe's. Really? Yeah, I was like, you're a
0: sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, that's nice.
1: I was like, I I didn't, I don't know, I gave it to the wife. What would you give him? (laughs) I always give him a hug. What do you mean? That's not enough?
0: Wow. Okay, so just for the record. He gives his neighbors chocolate and wine. I give hugs. You give your neighbors hugs. And I haven't had either one of those things. From I'm Muslim, dude. I can't be well, giving you do, presents. Huh? What do I do? Yeah, what do you do? You Bro, just ignore I, people. I don't. That's, that's what you do. You go out of your way to not make eye contact. That's, that's, that's your move. A, no, no. I just don't. I don't like the holiday card thing, man. Holiday card thing is a
1: bit much. For I me. don't
0: want you to send me a picture of your family that says "Happy Holidays." No, no, I don't I, I, that's fucked up. Okay, it's not hold fucked on. up. People, <laughs> it seems like a like. Look, like, take photos of your family for you. No, no put no, them no, up in your house. No, I don't, don't want to come see you and see the photos in your house. No, no, no. no. You don't need to mail them to me. No, I, I
1: don't care. I, 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 appreciate it. Send me your family holiday photos. I love them. What here's, do you do with them? Here's, here's the fuck problem. you. Don't lie here, to me. Here, this is the you problem. Throw that shit away. This, you know you do that. I know that's the problem I have. Right? I'm like. I
0: feel guilty for throwing this shit away. Like, you know, some people put up like these, all these cards and stuff. First yeah. of all, I don't live in a plaza like you guys, so I don't have like credences and shit just laying around my house. I can put shit on. Yeah. Right? You gotta say it so matter of factly. Like, you could be like, oh, yeah, that's not <laughs> true.
3: <laughs> I'm letting you go
0: yeah. with your point, bro. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But like, you send me your holiday cards, pictures of you and your family. Like, it's cute. Oh, uh, yeah. But it's also weird of me to put your shit up in my house when we're not that
1: tight. It's a bit like, what, you, you? You expect to just make it on my refrigerator? Damn, bro, Like my nephews and nieces aren't on my refrigerator.
0: Let's be honest, man. All our refrigerators got kid shit on it. You got no place for that shit. Yeah, You can man. tell your son, hey, son, I'm going to take down this picture of this ugly fucking thing you drew so I can put up a picture of people you barely know? <laughs> Is that what you're going to tell your oh, kid? Oh,
1: my God, dude. Wait till—oh, wait. So Carter's at this age now. So have you, has he run into any issues where he's seen you guys throw any of your shit away yet?
0: Oh, no, no. We, we got ahead of this. <laughs> okay. We take photos of all the stuff that he does, and we created books every year oh, okay. of all the stuff that he does. So he's excited to see the building of his book. So he understands you, you toss it, you throw it away. I, not really. <laughs> I may, I may have, I may have said we're sending it off to be, to, the photo to be made. So you do to lie down. to Carter. It's not a the, lie. Th- that's a lie. Not, we are sending it off to be made into a, an image. <laughs> just somebody else's image.
1: You really try to bullshit your way I'm not out of everything,
0: a, please? God, dude, just admit it, man. You lied to him. Come on, man. It's okay, man. Uh, you ever do the Elf on the Shelf thing? No, that's right, because you're no. racist. No, but you know we we don't. <laughs>
1: no, I'm not racist, piece of shit. No, but we do. We we messed with the kids before. You've seen
0: Monsters Inc. No, motherfucker, I've never seen Monsters Inc. Really? I've been at Disney every two, every two days, man. What are I don't, talking do about? they have a Monsters Inc. ride? Get the fuck out of here! You're a terrible human being, bro. Not only do you not
1: celebrate Christmas, now this shit. Bro, I didn't know that you you got a Club 33 membership. Don't do yeah, that. Do, yeah, you, don't do uh, that. You don't have a Palazzo, but you got all the memberships. Don't, don't do that. You get the lightning pass. I don't get the lightning passes. Oh, sorry. It's the genie pass. What is it called? It's, <laughs> it's
0: the genie pass. Shut up and go on.
1: Yeah, right? So uh, there's a character on the episode called, uh, it's Randall, right? The guy that can change himself and make him look like like a chameleon, right? So he's got, he
0: can make him look like a chameleon. He is a chameleon motherfucker. He can make himself change. Well, I
1: thought he's in a monster. (laughs) Okay, whatever. And he's got a tail that like wraps around to like a spiral. So it makes it easy to hang on shit. So for the longest time, we were just, throughout the year, it doesn't have to be a special occasion. I would just randomly hang him at different places around the house. And the kids would wake up like, oh shit, Randall's here. Randall moves again. So (laughs) they think Randall in our house actually moves around like Elf on the Shelf.
0: I can't tell if you're psychologically scarring these kids or not.
1: No, what? <laughs> they have a good time. With this. No, Randall's a good guy.
0: Okay, you sure? Yeah. He's in the movie, he's not. Yeah, he is.
1: He's one of their boys. He's just like the twisted one. The you. Yeah, that's
0: exactly. Yeah. He's Saeed. He's the Saeed. I, I am Randall. I know. The yeah. Dirty motherfucker letting kids <laughs> in the office. <laughs> 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 that's, that's a little Disney joke never hurt anybody. All right, from Money housing and home buying section for those of you curious that yeah that's actually a thing. Mm. Here's where mortgage rates and home prices are heading according to Zillow and Redfin. Spoiler alert, Zillow's got the uh, crack pipe once again. I'll
1: be honest, I never heard of money.com. This is my first.
0: Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I mean you're not quoting the press like I am all the time, so <laughs> I understand that. Okay. Yeah, you know. I'll let you have that one. I'm not here. Yeah. I thought I'd put my own articles in here. but I was like, that's arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's arrogant. Don't do that, Chris. Don't do not do that. In the interest of time, I'm going to save you the read of the article and just put it to you this way. Zillow is still smoking the crack pipe, crack rock. Mm. You know that movie Painkiller, the, the the show Painkiller? Yes. A Netflix special talking about how uh, OxyContin wound up being uh, one of the largest opioid ap- epidemics uh, in the country. Yeah. Well, um, people over at Zillow are still doing it.
1: Yeah, they're still on it. Yeah,
0: still on it. They got some uh, paint over there. And uh, Redfin, we just read to you, so you kind of know what that is. Uh, But basically, what they're trying to say is that rates will come down, it'll spur the market forward, and home values will go up. Mm. And every single person in the real estate market has been citing that same example. Right. The same way, every single person in the real estate market was saying for the last couple of years, that supply and demand will drive the market and unless there's a ton more supply coming on, guess what? Home values can't come down. Yet we have proven that wrong, San Jose and Austin being the two highest and most obvious outliers where no additional supplies come on. So affordability has rotten so bad that people can't buy. Mm -hmm. Therefore, making demand without affordability is not in fact demand. So this is another one of those fallacies that you're going to hear. Rates are going to drop. The market's going to spur up and home value is going to skyrocket up. If that happens, okay, if it does happen, it's fucking catastrophic. But guess what? It stops the Fed from hitting their 2% inflation rate. Mm-hmm. And it's tracks. And it's tracks. Don't you think if these two morons and the guy behind the ones and twos can just come up with that logic on our own? Yeah. The Fed's not going, fuck, we right. never thought of that, guys.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, is that what you think is happening? Yeah, I know.
0: So what, the, the, here's, here's the, a,
1: a real question, though, okay? If the Fed, which we do in fact believe that they are going to do, that they're not not going to raise rates, right? I feel like that's going to signal to everyone, even though the Fed won't come out and say it, that they're officially done raising rates. And that would mean that the last time they raised rates was in July. Okay? And when you look at the last five times, and I get it, every single cycle is its own snowflake. Okay? The last five times the Fed had to raise rates to battle off inflation or, or, you know, correct and stabilize prices, right? The average length of time that they held rates was approximately eight months. Okay? So if we hadn't raised rates since July and it's now December, that would mean eight months would be
0: March. Can I give you an alternative theory? Okay. The last several rate increases were raise, wait, raise, wait, right? Yes. You know, there is a possibility where it's wait longer than raise.
1: But yeah, if, if there's enough data out there for them to believe it. Here's the problem. They now realize that the bond market is going to do the rest of the lifting for them.
0: No, they thought. You don't think so? During the last meeting, yeah. the bond—you were talking the treasuries were at like 10-year—the 10-year treasury was at like over 5%. Yeah. Just hit over 5%, just underneath and just over mm-hmm. during that period of time, right? Because the market was starting to freak out. right. And it was a good argument then. You know what? The 10-year can do the rest of the work for us. We don't have to do it. Right. But since then to now, you've seen 70 basis points drop off the 10-year, the long end of the curve. Right. But the Chicago Mercantile Exchange is currently,
1: as of today, they were predicting the first rate cut to be uh, in March. I mean, it was a 46% chance, so a coin flip. Not so much much anymore. Maybe not so much anymore, but it's still a coin flip, right? Let's just say if they don't cut rates in March— Right, and they go past that average uh, holding span of eight months now into nine months, ten months, mm-hmm. I, I think the bond market will reverse course and still do some of the heavy lifting for them.
0: Okay, if that happens, mortgage rates move up. Yes. They move up, not down. Yes. Redfin, wrong. Zillow, wrong. Higher standard, right. Every fucking time. Gang, gang. God damn it. Damn. I don't want to be right all the time. <laughs> Cerebral. I want to be wrong. Yeah. Arun, how do, you, how do you deal with being wrong all the time?
2: I'll just put my head down
0: <laughs> stay quiet
2: That sounded so sad I'm wrong a
0: lot of the time
2: Speaking from experience <laughs> Jesus. Jesus
0: Don't make it real, man It's yeah. a vibe killer, bro
1: I feel bad now Jesus
0: okay, I'm sorry
2: You are a, an asshole It's okay
0: You know who else is an asshole? Uh when Fucking Brian Moynihan thinks that he's Drake He does I think he's in Turks and Caicos right now with Drake, actually <laughs> Yeah Pulling up on people with his jet ski? Yeah yeah, yay. Yeah. Well, uh, ironically, uh, him and Drake have been hanging out so much they're using the same language. <laughs> he understands the vernacular. Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan says YOLO spenders aren't rung out just yet. They're in pretty decent shape. Did he just say YOLO? He said, he said YOLO. What, is Dra- YOLO what, is, what does YOLO stand for, Chris? You only live once.
1: God damn.
0: Drake out here just teaching him bars.
1: Yeah, might as well. Go ahead. Buy the house.
0: Yeah. Come on, Brian. <laughs> you know you want the villa in Spain. Just go out there. Pull that trigger, bro. This guy. Ah, there wasn't really a valid reason to quote him other than the fact that I like pointing out that he's wrong. They're not in pretty decent shape. There's a massive consumer debt mountain, uh, you know, facing all consumers. We just, the first... The first fucking month payments were due was October mm-hmm. for student loan debt, and we saw a massive pivot. People right. freaked the fuck out in spending.
1: And, yeah, don't be confused by these headlines that uh, consumers were out there they were hitting record numbers for Black Friday online sales. Okay, online sales may have gone up, but in-store sales did not. And those numbers weren't actually adjusted for inflation. Yeah. So, uh, if anything, it was pretty much stagnant.
0: I wasn't that impressed with the, the holiday spending. I know people were, like, you know, citing how amazing it was. I, I didn't think they were that great, to be honest Right. With. Uh, but and let's go to the scary, and, and Time, time, time. time. I
1: know, but let's personally, talk, just talk, talk, real talk, quick, talk, talk. That, it, that scares me more than anything because I don't I – hate, I hate to be this guy, and I know you're on this side too, but you're going to pay me out to be the villain so you won't side with me, is I don't think that cons- consumers don't have good economic behavior, right? Their spending behavior is terrible. Yeah, so, no, that's true. So when they actually do pull back – then it's like, wait gonna, a minute. They're not going to pull back. It's not that they're being careful. It's that they're in trouble.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. No, you're not the bad guy. That's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. They're not, these consumers have been pathologically trained like a Pavlov dog. The bell rings, you spend the money. Mm. Until someone stops ringing the bell, they're going to keep spending the money. Yes. It, it, at this point, it's just behavioral economics. They're spending until they can't. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds fucked up and elitist, but I do not live in a palazzo. They do. So I'm not an elitist. I'm a man of the people. (laughs) Didn't even sound real.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do in the future. Best comment, come over to my house for a barbecue. I'm going to show you how small this palazzo is. (laughs) I'm going
0: to hand out tickets. Get one wide lens, 10-millimeter lens. Look, you see the whole house. (laughs) Why does your head look twice as wide? All right, sharing comments on Bloomberg Television summers said the central bank should wait for more convincing data ahead of any potential rate cuts. This from Business Insider article titled, the Fed will spark a seismic moment if it cuts rates and should wait for overwhelming evidence the economy is slowing, Larry Summers says. (laughs) We're a fan of Larry Summers, uh, and uh, I got to tell you, I don't necessarily disagree with with, uh, a lot of what he said here, but I think it's interesting to see his position, his take Mm. on the potential idea of a rate cut. The moment they turn or announce they're going to turn is going to be a seismic moment, said Summers, who is also a Harvard professor and a paid contributor for Bloomberg Television. So he's got, you know, some credits on his resume. (laughs) And for that reason, they probably need to be very uh, deliberate, deliberative. Is that what it says? Deliberative? Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Deliberative?
1: Come on, Larry.
0: How did I go through law school? Uh, and careful about getting to that point. Why didn't you say deliberate? And, and also, to his resume, didn't he work for the Clinton administration? Is there a political reason why you know that? <laughs>
1: no, there's no. I just know that that that's the, probably the
0: biggest thing on his resume. Dude, we got we got to stop doing shows with the room with the hot mic where he has the opportunity to opine about like po- politics. He so badly wants to jump into politics.
1: <laughs> well, dude, it's it's such a good conversation to have.
0: Larry Summers. Uh...
1: Yeah. Seventy-first United States
0: Secretary Pres- of the Treasury, President Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. Oh, okay. oh yeah. All right. Well, I'm sorry. It was, he's got a couple presidents under his belt, <laughs> adding to his resume. Yeah, he's yeah tough life. This, this guy's guy. kind of a big deal. Summers was born in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, home of Yale, and still went to Harvard. Fucking traitor.
2: I'm closing this time.
0: Went to MIT too.
2: God
1: damn it. God. Did he call it time, dude? Time, dude. MIT so hard to get into. I had I had a teammate. In high school, they got a 4.8% GPA. The only reason why he didn't get a, a 5.0% was because he was on the basketball team, and he did not get into uh, MIT.
0: What was his ethnicity?
1: Uh, he was black.
0: Wow, I can't believe you know that. That's so racist. What do you mean? He was my teammate. Doesn't mean that you didn't, you didn't have to cite it.
1: I didn't want to come out and out the gate and say because then it would have been like, that's what I was alluding to. But you, you asked the right question.
0: And he still didn't get into MIT. Can you believe that shit? That's fucked up.
1: Really fucked up. And it was like his dream school. Huh. He, he made several visits. Where'd crazy. he go? I never followed up with him. He was like two years old. He was three years older than me because I was a freshman on varsity.
0: <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, Flex. I'm not, yeah, <laughs> god damn it. This is why you get paid out to be a villain. I don't have to do any work. <laughs> i let you just talk.
1: I was, i just, uh, that was the reason, I, I didn't feel like I had the right to follow up with him. He was a senior, I was a freshman. It's like, we weren't that tight. Right?
3: Come uh, on.
0: Is there anything else about your uh, high school athletics you want to talk about at this time? You good? Man, if if only I was (laughs) 5'10". You'd be tall in China, bro.
3: Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Full circle. Full circle. That's how good comedy works, kids. All right. So inflation has cooled from above 9% last summer, but remains above the Fed's 2% target. And the labor market continues to show signs of loosening. Jerome Powell and Fed officials have recently sent mixed signals as far as what's next for monetary policy. But according to CME's Fed Watch tool, traders see a 47% likelihood of an interest rate cut in March, as Saeed mentioned earlier. And a month ago, that number hovered around 18%. The Labor Department said Friday non-farm payrolls climbed by a seasonally adjusted 100, 199000 in November, like Saeed quoted earlier, above the 190000 forecast by Dow Jones. Plus, unemployment fell to 3.7% from 39 again, as we mentioned earlier, and labor force participation ticked up to 62.8%.
1: I think that was a typo. The forecast was 180000
0: God, wow. <clears> so <throat> sensitive about his data. So,
1: so yeah. But, um, yeah, man. Uh, I think it's uh, Jerome Powell. It'll already be out by the time everyone listens to this. Jerome Powell's gonna come out uh, on Wednesday, and he's gonna say it's premature to talk about rate cuts. We're still, we're still gonna need to see enough data. Hopefully, CPI comes in tomorrow and um, explains everything that
0: he needs to see. So, two parting thoughts. Uh, one's gonna be a little bit longer, so we'll we'll uh, start with a shorter one. There's an article from Business Insider: Interest Rate Outlook. Here's how many rate cuts Wall Street expects. Go check this article out if you want to kind of get a feel for what the overwhelming disparity is in the opinions. This has every one of the larger institutional houses and economists that have predicted uh, what they think is going to happen next year. And you'll see there is a huge disparity in what the beliefs are. Yep. So nobody really knows. That's what we're coming down to. Now, the longer part of this, the, the second point that I, I wanted to point out before we left, was that, yeah, the Fed did sound a little unclear or ambiguous or not giving clear direction on what was going to happen in the last meeting. I don't blame them. And I'm not a person who takes it easy in the Fed. Yeah. Okay. You always want them to be transparent. I want them to be transparent, but I don't blame them when you think about it in the context of, okay, the 10 year treasuries are rising. That could do the work for us if they stay up. Mm-hmm. But they also know that there's optimism out there, and the talking heads are going to convince people that, you know, it's gumdrops and lollipops. There's been 13 years of gumdrops and lollipops, and everybody's used to the gumdrops and lollipops. Right. So, guess what? Now the tenure dropped down, it's not helping them anymore. Mm-hmm. I would not be stunned if there was like a 15% probability of an interest rate increase this next time. I thought to myself, what would prevent them from doing it? Jobs are going the wrong, wrong mean, way right now. You mean as for this upcoming? meeting? Yeah. probability of like overwhelming majority that they're not going to do that. Right now it's right now it's at a 2%. I think it's probably more than that. If you're them and you're you're saying, okay, how do we send a message to the market to take this shit fucking seriously? Well, here. Stop being so fucking optimistic. You guys need to understand that shit might be moving the right way, but it's not at the right way. We've already said we'd rather be more restrictive and get to lower than 2% than be less restrictive and not get there at all. Right. Well, I think consumer spending is already
1: starting to show, show itself and it's starting to show cracks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Atlanta GDP now figure, it, current estimate for uh, last week is at 1.2%. Okay. That's a four percentage point drop off from last quarter. Right. The current estimate. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's currently showcasing now. And that's a huge swing. Okay. That's it. the economy, the health, how healthy an economy is, it shouldn't be swinging four percentage points. Right from quarter to quarter, right. So I think that that's going to showcase enough, and it, they definitely have enough here to hold again, especially given that six-month uh, core PCE figure that I cited earlier, which is that two and a half percent. Okay. So um, I think that I think that they're for sure going to hold, and that they're just going to wait it out because they have the luxury of not having a meeting in January and the next meeting being in February. So there's plenty of time in between now and then. For enough data to come out to really help them make their next decision.
0: You don't think there's any part of them that wants to go full Ice Cube, no Vaseline? No. And just... No, because
1: if they do, they know it's going to trigger... God a, damn, I'm glad you said it off.
0: I mean, it's I mean, if he, I mean I, I, yeah,
1: I would want to see him say that. Odin um, wants to, us to get into the show notes. Because he wants uh, to go home. <laughs> the reviews. But... Um, Damifu Hanna came at it again. Let's get into these show notes. Oh, Raul Torres, Let's too. Do. Coming Raul out Torres. here, writing
0: checks. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Let's do this. All right. Let me cap are my these, thought are off. These, real quick. Are these all of them? There's three, yeah. That's yeah. all right. Three and two of them are Raul. Listen, for the listeners out there, Raul, Raul said he's going to get us 50. He said he's going to give us 50. He's down. He's got three in. Yeah. So, first one from Raul Torres. This is from Ron Mancha. The caption is Good show. Five stars, because he's obviously being honest. Uh, at Raul
3: Torres.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you right now, okay? I don't fucking care what you say about Raul. Mm. I'm pretty sure he's fucking amazing. Yeah, this guy's a stud. Yeah, a stud. I appreciate you, brother. Look, this shit means a lot. I, if everybody was as goddamn considerate as you were, I, I can't tell you how amazing it would be for, for us mm-hmm. because this is the way we get paid right now. Yeah, this is the
1: only way we get paid. So if, you, if, you've, if a friend has referred you over to the show and you appreciate them, Do them the favor, do us a favor, give us a shout-out on the reviews, and you can add them, and we'll read off their name. There you go. Yeah. Makes sense. Right? Next one. Also, Raul getting it done. This is Raul from Texas. You now have my mother-in-law listening.
0: (laughs) I love it. I did the exact same thing with many of our reviews and many of my family, so I respect it. I respect it.
1: And last but not least, Damifu Hunna Girlfriend. Yeah. Look at this episode.
0: People referring other people to leave us reviews. No, not referring. Taking their phones and doing it themselves. <laughs> yeah. Listen, bitch. Yeah. Let me tell you how this is going to go. I don't think he called his girl bitch, though. No, I meant in general. Yeah. Okay. Hypothetical. Okay. Yeah. I would never speak to Danny Full girl like that. Yeah. I'm speaking to you. You know he's Team Saeed all the way, right? No. hundred percent. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Damien Full Team Maroon.
3: Nah, hell
1: no. Odor, oh, do you know who this is?
0: Nope. Yeah, I didn't think
1: so. What an asshole. God damn. No fucks this guy.
0: Yeah.
1: Another killed, one. Five stars.
0: Naturally and shit. He doesn't give her.
1: Yeah. yeah. Five stars on the second day of Christmas. Said Omar said to me, Steal your girlfriend's phone and leave us a five star review. Hashtag mind pump mind pump mind pump mind pump. Are you allowed to sing Christmas songs? <laughs> what do you mean?
2: Isn't you know, that against your religion? Yeah. Is that, is that
1: against my religion? No, it's not. I like I'm still in the, the Christmas giving joyful spirit. Really? Yeah, I, I I like this time of year, even though I'm colorblind. Have you ever had eggnog? Eggnog uh, is not that good, dude. I'll be, I don't know if I have. I don't think so, because do you like it? Is it something that it uh, good? It's
0: thick, white, and milky. You were drinking something like that? Like, oh, I've never
1: tried it. A white Russian, maybe?
0: <laughs> no, it's thicker. Thicker yeah. than a white Russian. Yeah, white Russians are generally, you know, pretty fluidy. Mm. It's like, it's thicker.
1: No, like, maybe I haven't.
0: Uh, come over to my house, has, I'll, I'll hook you up. <laughs>
1: As it resonated
0: we have a uh, we have some farm fresh eggnog at the house farm fresh yeah, very thick the thickest of thick yeah very or, fatty orga- milk. organic very organic yeah okay. my son my son drinks uh chocolate milk my wife goes to uh to like uh some random ass grocery store to get because it's like super like fresh farm fresh uh organic thick milk
3: They make eggnog. You can't have those <laughs> it's, undertone
1: it's a, jokes and then bring Carter into it's this. No,
0: I can't <laughs> yeah. undertone jokes. Christopher. What is wrong with you, man? <laughs> I there was I was just describing eggnog to you if you can't handle the description without being perverted for two minutes. You can't lose Okay. Carter the the same it. company makes seasonal eggnog. We bought some last year, we bought some this year. I'm not a big fan of it, but I figured you would like this thick milky substance. Got it. Okay. That's man. all I'm saying. You know what you're It's did. good for you. Don't bring Carter Buy into this. Some vitamin D. <laughs>
1: All right, man. Oh, dude, you got anything else? Nope.
0: All right, Christopher? I see him stretching the background.
1: <laughs> He's like, give me, give me the
0: fuck out of here. He's like, I can't believe we're going in the extra innings well, for this shit.
2: flying in six hours.
0: Do you really? Yeah. What time is the private hey. jet picking you up? PJ, right?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Chris, what are we, doing? What are we talking about in the next episode?
0: We're going to talk about what he did in San Francisco with Drake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Little rule we live by, kids. If Drake asks you to go back to his house, you have to say no. Yeah, that, that's you don't want those problems. You don't want those problems. There's no good problem that comes from going back to Drake's house.
1: Yeah, you're going to have stories to tell, and you're going to be lonely at home.
0: Yeah, you're going to be one of the stories.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Check us out, boy. Good night, everybody.
3: Bye.